Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of Trumpty Dumpty, a complete and utter fucking cult, to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Mark. And I'm your other host, Jim. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning which results in bad or invalid arguments. The logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the automation fallacy or automation bias. And no, your ears are not (laughs) deceiving you. (laughs) We have, in order to celebrate, uh, 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 how many patrons now? Well, it we was a patron a... goal for, for an... Um, right. The thing is, because patrons has changed over time, they no longer yeah. actually have goals. So this was, this was the next goal that we were due to reach okay. at some point. Yeah, yeah. And eventually, after they got rid of the goals, we were like, ah, we kind of should still do that one, because we were getting close <laughs> to it. Yeah. And so we decided that the next patron we got, that was it. We were going to then do it. And so... We're going so to, we're and, and so we've swapped roles for the episode. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's been the most stressful experience of uh, ever. It's some somewhere between an exam, an interview, and an audition. <laughs> it's kind of like this really, it's absolute panic when you think, "Oh my god, I've got to, I've got to be." As my other half described, so are you going to have to be the sensible one? <laughs> what? I said, what? I said, well, Jim's the, you know, he's the sensible. Yeah, and, and other members of the band that I'm in have said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're the, you're the dark, jokey one. <laughs> yes, exactly. That means yeah. I've got to be the funny one this time. Though. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I'm hoping that there will be some vestiges <laughs> of vestigial sensibility. Because I'm thinking, yeah, because he... The other thought was, I have to lead off with yeah. the, the definition of the fallacy and all that stuff. And I was watching Sean Locke doing a stand-up program from 2010 or something. And he said, oh, yeah, out of your comfort zone. If you've heard that phrase, out of your comfort zone, basically it means being shit at something. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm thoroughly out of my comfort zone. I've realized that actually we've become quite adept in our own bits of the world we kind of go oh yeah we know where to go now we know how to make something that's a a listenable experience hopefully (laughs) you know in a kind of informed way and then we sort of learn something from each other's domains (laughs) and the expertise we have within them and uh, and doing this, it's like going back to the days when we didn't know what the fuck we were talking about yeah it turns out I've learned nothing about British politics from you right (laughs) Uh, yeah, and all I've learned is actually I'll just wait till Jim's done his, and then I'll have a look at his, and then yeah, and they go, "What the fuck? What? Where did he find those? They're brilliant." Yeah, and uh, and and then just spend hours, hours. At how you've I don't know stood. what you're talking about. I found this very relaxing. This episode prep. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's been yeah. Yeah. Can't wait for the song. <laughs> yeah, no, that bit. By the way, that yeah. bit was I spent more time on that than anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, I know. Yeah, the fa- I'm the same with the fake news. It suddenly occurred to me. I went, oh Christ, I've got to do fake news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, wait till we get to that. Anyway, so this week, yes, the automation bias is defined as the propensity for humans to favour suggestions from automated decision-making systems and to ignore contradictory information made without 
automation, even if it's correct. So basically, it's a reliance on and trust in automated solutions over human-derived solutions. And I can recall an inquiry into a particular plane crash, which came down to over-reliance on integrated computerized systems, which were designed to factor out human error. Yeah. But they didn't take into account that at some point there might be a, 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 an issue that hasn't been legislated for in the software and that humans would need to over, need to step in. Yeah. Which is also the story of when the guidance system for the Apollo moon landing, the first one, overshot their landing site. So Buzz Aldrin had to step in and pilot the thing manually. And the alarms were all sounding again. Well, you're going to run out of fuel and all that kind of stuff. And if so, why are you doing this? That's insane. And I'm, I'm reading, I also got bought for Christmas Tim Peake's autobiography, the British astronaut who went to the space station. And he did fly up with the with a Soyuz crew. Mm. So he went up from Kazakhstan. The opening chapter was the kind of the preface to the thing. Opens with, yeah, we're supposed to be docking with the space, space station, but an alarm sounded. <laughs> They were out of alignment, so they again they had to overcome it manually. So it's the, the same thing, and that's nearly sixty years on from the same problem happening on the moon. Yeah, and the the thing about over reliance on guidance systems and things like that, I did briefly look at this, but it was more of a kind of fallacy in the wild thing, and I'm not in charge of that. Right. So there were some <laughs> right. news reports about people who were following their GPS and ended up driving into the sea or in, or lakes. Right. Because they were like, yeah. well, this is where it's telling me to go. Yeah, even though when you're in a car, yeah. it's mostly window. Absolutely. And, yes. and some of these were just in broad daylight. And, and people had just yeah. driven down a boat ramp yeah. into a lake because the GPS yeah. said that's the way to go. Brilliant. Funnily enough, the first example I'm going to play from Trump, the address to an American Technology Council roundtable with the likes of Tim Cook Tim Apple. and Microsoft, Google, I think were there, lots of people were there. He had talked about the innovation that put a man on the moon, and then he, in the same breath, talked about woefully outdated technology in government. And, and he kind of think, yeah, that's yes, and we all know that truism that your watch or your phone has got more computing power than the Apollo 11 mission. Yeah, but you wouldn't want to send it to the moon. Would you? <laughs> this is 2017, so just in power, the, the summer of that year, talking about technology as the answer to problems. America should be the global leader in government technology, just as we are in every other aspect. I view it from the standpoint of jobs and other things. You view it somewhat differently, but we're all in the same ballpark. It's so important, so important. My administration is embracing a new spirit of innovation that will make life better for all Americans. And when it comes to what we're here for today, American technology, we're working very diligently with everybody, including Congress, on immigration so that you can get the people you want in your companies. And it's been a tremendous problem that you've had over the past long period of time. <laughs> just that, that whole general over that you just know he's vamping to the end he has no idea what the fuck he's talking about so it seems to me that he's firmly embracing technology to the answer to the problem of immigration when asked by forbes in 2018 
um, the immigration attorneys couldn't name any policies that the Trump administration had established or proposed to make it easier for high-skilled foreign nationals to work in or immigrate to the United States. And in fact, they could talk for hours about all the new measures that have made life more difficult for immigrants and employers. So in in the face of the actual reality of getting people in that weren't Americans in this in the whole of Trump's America first immigration policies where he enacted a hundred and some executive orders to clamp down on immigrations or to, to manage the immigration system. He's still at the same time saying, oh, yeah, we're talking to all these technologists who are desperate for highly skilled um, you know, global nationals who are coming, who want to come and work in America, whilst he's desperate for them not to come in. And they're trying to use technology to do that. And I think they put in place things that would scan. He said he boasted that it would scan 100% of all things coming into <laughs> the country. And yeah, okay. Yep. It kind of didn't work because here's him. Not not long later, in August 2018, talking about technology again. There are two things in a thousand years you can come back. Two things will never, you know, with technology, it's obsolete before you even put it in the box, right? But two things never get old, wheels and walls, right? Wheels and walls. If you come back in a thousand years, you'll say, well, we still have wheels and walls, and that's the only thing you'll recognize. <laughs> there he is less than a year later, almost a year exactly later in, in humor, huge humor, talk, talking about saying there's no point in using technology. It's obsolete as soon as you get it out of the box. His immigration policy comes down to walls. Wheels are in there because he talks about walls in a, in a he said, I studied medieval history and they talked about walls and wheels are even older than walls. So he's in his yeah. mind, wheels and walls are inextricably linked. But his, his, the technology is employing it isn't relying on uh, the technology of those, the, the innovation that the, his, um, his administration are embracing. But actually just down to walls. The thing is, at this point, the border security issues that the Democrats were promoting and saying, look, let's have actually useful border security yep. was in part using technology. It was yeah. using cameras and drones and, and things like that to make it easier to patrol the border. And, yeah. and that was what they were talking about spending money on. And Trump was like, no, just big metal walls. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he kind of goes from, well, yes, we need to employ this technology. We've got, you know, we, yes, technology is so important. I'm interested in it for jobs. Um, and yet, or, or he says, technology is crap. Let's just have big metal walls <laughs> and not use, not waste money doing that stuff. So if the over-reliance on at the expense of human intervention is the fallacy, he commits it the other way because he just dismisses all of technology because walls and also... I've read this excellent article uh, called Why Robots Help Donald Trump Win. <laughs> and it's you know, it's a perfect clickbait headline. It isn't about that. It's about... It 2,000 robots. Did they vote? Yeah, yeah, 2,000 robots, yeah. <laughs> uh, stuffing ballots on automated <laughs> votes. Yeah, that's right. Using the technology, yeah, to do it. And they were doing it. They were the right kind of machines. Uh -huh. They're not Dominion machines. They're proper machines. They're Trump machines <laughs> going, just shoving them in. 
And it was about the, the reporter had gone to Toledo, Ohio, the campaign in 2016. He gave a speech in, in Toledo, Ohio, which talked about the job losses that were going on there. And he kind of missed the the what the problem was because he was so fixated on the NAFTA deal and Hillary and the South Korean deal being to blame that he missed the actual problem, which was probably the automation of the car manufacturing plants in Ohio. And uh, the reporter from Technology Review um, in 2018 reported that the that actually the motor manufacturing business was increasingly booming in Ohio. But it's down to robots who are doing the automated processes of uh, spray painting where humans would have to be in a like a, a, a space helmet and bolting things together and welding things. and All of the kind of things that incur a health and safety issue for humans, the robots were doing far more safely and far more efficiently than people because people get tired. They campaign for better working conditions. They need to stop to eat. Robots don't. And yet at the time of the 2016 campaign, Trump's Make America Great Again, one of the auto workers at Wood County said, what's that mean? What's so great for people who look like me? And yet he couldn't believe how many people voted for Trump. And one of his friends said, I'm a dumb guy. I had a learning disability when I was at school, but I could do factory work. Factory work is what we did. Now, robots do that job. What happens to people like me? People in the plant thinking someone's going to save them, like Trump, there ain't nobody going to save them. The campaign that Trump ran was to say that Hillary ignored them, Obama ignored them, which 10 years prior... Yeah, they were the forgotten had, men and women of America, uh, weren't they? Yeah, they, yeah, they'd done the bailout. They did do a bailout for General Motors and they promoted all of that and this the guy uh, ricky this guy in the article said well, yeah don't you remember that and ohio voted democrat in the previous two elections by a big margin they sum up this article saying that probably no one voted for trump because of technology but what trump's shtick is that when people he makes people feel powerless and they gravitate towards a person that they think might give them some power back or help them preserve what they fear they are losing. So a bit like Boris did with Brexit when he characterised the whole thing as they're taking something away from you. We will take back borders, control, money, none of which happened. That's what Trump sets himself up as. So he adopts the fallacy, kind of the opposite of it as well in Ohio by saying, yeah, actually, we just need to get you back your jobs. When the workers are saying, what we need are jobs that recognise that in order to, for the companies to make money, they need to automate, and we need some role in that automation. So if, they, if, they, if you're not capable of retraining as a robot technician, what do you do? I can remember having this conversation with my mum in the 70s when she was saying, when she was at teaching college in the 50s, they were talking about we also need to be learning how to deal with all the spare time we are going to get when all of our drudge jobs are taken over by automation. And that, they were talking about that in the 50s. Yeah, I've had this conversation with people generally in older generations over the years, and it's 
Mm-hmm. It's a constant fear among mm. certain parts of society that uh, the more you automate, yeah. you know, you're taking people's jobs away, giving them to robots, even like, you know, self-checkout, supermarkets, that kind of stuff. You're taking yeah. work away from cashiers and, and, you know, they can't necessarily retrain to do other jobs. And, and or the, the automation creates new jobs in yeah. terms of, you know, software and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the people who were doing the cashier jobs, for example, can't necessarily retrain mm. to do that. But mm. what happens ultimately is that there are some people who were doing less technological jobs that can retrain to do more technical jobs, and yeah. the people who can't get their jobs. Right. <laughs> and right. unemployment is historically low, and there's yeah. way more people than there used to be. And there's also yeah. way more robots and, way and automation. more technology. Yes, so yes, it's clear exactly. there weren't a fixed number of jobs yeah. that have failed to be fulfilled because of all yeah. of, of the robots. Yeah. What's turned out is technology creates jobs. Yeah. And that's what has always happened and will continue to happen. The automated uh, weaving machines that were introduced in the cotton mills, they were the things that the Luddites yeah. smashed. Absolutely. Because it was taking, it was taking their jobs. Their jobs. And actually what happened was that the, ultimately with the adoption of the machinery, the mills got richer and could employ more people to maintain the machinery. Yeah. You know, not wishing to sound like a Keynesian, <laughs> but, but that's, kind of, that's kind of how it works. But, the, but it requires uh, an oversight, a human oversight, which is the same thing leveled at AI Absolutely. these that's days. The key. It requires a human oversight to, say, to be aware that you've got to redistribute the riches with a, with a small and a big R that it brings to the working society fairly to take account of the fact that humans are no longer doing those awful drudgy jobs, which, you know, at the, at the cost of life and limb. And that's been that one with the Luddites. It's been happening ever since. And the argument oh, is still con- being it'll made. It'll continue. It'll, yeah. Yeah. Who's, you yeah. know, who's controlling the money? And, you know, the irony being Trump, kind of uh, aligns himself to being one of the people that is to be trusted as a Luddite when it comes to technology, just like you lot. I want to secure our jobs, but he's ignorant. He's utterly ignorant of the fact that they are way beyond him and are saying such things as, as Ricky does, that, you know, we used to be able to beat the robots in their production, but now we can't. You know, now the robots have learned, we've taught the robots to do it better. We have fewer accidents and a higher output, but but nobody's looking at Trump should be looking at that rather than just at one time embracing technology and another time rejecting it for his own purposes. And now is the time I think from Jim's British Politics Corner. First time doing British Politics Corner, and uh, one of the other names it's horrible, for this isn't it? How is weird? It's, yeah. I feel weird. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dirty and used. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> One of the other names for this fallacy is the algorithm fallacy. Uh, so oh, we're going to okay. look at yep. the UK's government's use of algorithms. And uh-huh. uh, you might think that algorithms can be used where humans previously made decisions, because algorithms basically are decision-making processes. And the thing about humans is we're full of biases. Right. Surely using an algorithm would remove some of those biases. That would be a good way to avoid some of the problematic human element in decision making. Yeah. But that turns out is bullshit. Um, <laughs> right. And in fact, what algorithms do, because they're based on usually input 
that is influenced largely by humans. And that input turns yeah. into yeah, yeah, biased yeah. output. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we've got a few examples of that. And the first one mm -hmm. is in 2020, during a pandemic, yeah. we couldn't yeah. do our A-level exams, our exams that we do at the end of school that give universities the information they need to decide whether to give teenagers places at universities. Overall A-level results in England are higher at grade A and above compared to 2019. But because this year's results are based on teacher assessment, or CAGs, there's a problem. Ofqual, the examinations regulator, says that teachers are too optimistic for a third of candidate predictions, accurate for half, and pessimistic for a sixth. So Ofqual devised an algorithm to correct for this to standardise results with previous years. If they hadn't, it was predicted this year would have been the most generous ever, and they, ministers say, would lack credibility. But the problem is that it's led to some substantial and unexpected downgrades. So unexpected mm. was an interesting word there because mm. the A-level results came out about a week after the Scottish higher results, which is a slightly different right. system. It had a lot of the same problems in 2020 as the A-level yeah. results did. We're going to yeah. focus on A-levels because it's already hard enough explaining A-levels to an international audience. <laughs> Getting into We're explaining highers as well. I'm just going to go crazy. Yeah. But the hires, yeah. uh, initially, it was clear that there was a problem. When the yeah. results came out, people weren't getting the kind of results they expected. They weren't getting what their teachers had said they would get or the yeah. predicted grades. And something had gone wrong. And, and some schools were being seemingly more harshly treated than others. Mm -hmm. And so it was expected that when the A-level results came out, that the same kind of thing would happen. And indeed right. it did, uh, despite yeah. Boris's claim on the day the results came out. Let's be in no doubt about it. The, the exam results that we've got to, today are robust. They're good. They'll, they're, they're dependable for, for employers. So they were not any of those three things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. yeah. There is the fallacy laid bare, isn't it? Because the, you've got teachers who are aware of students work and they yeah. kind of continue that's what the ca stands for continuous assessment continuous assessment grades is cag so the teachers have been aware of the pupils work throughout the school year in fact yeah. early on in the conservative government i think or late on in the previous labor government there was this move at government level to recognize that continuous assessment was probably a fairer assessment of pupils performance than just a, a one exam which you know, yeah, the arguably the exams test how well teachers can teach to the test, how well students yeah. can uh, cram, yeah. revise all of the stuff that they've learned and, and how yeah. well they respond on that exact day. Yeah, and they might be having a bad day, they yeah. might be having a good day. It's, it is a bad system. There aren't good yeah. systems, I don't think. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's yeah. one of the... But then, but then, yeah, but then to, to overall the, the recognition that teachers are probably the best people to judge so they've said, yeah, well, we can't just trust the teachers on that. We'll put in an algorithm yeah. to, to deal with the bell curve. Of, well, the difficulty you know, 20... comes from the fact that schools are graded on a curve, essentially, mm -hmm. from best schools to worst schools based on their exam results. Yep. And so if you say, well, this year we're not doing exams, we're just going to go with whatever the teachers do, yep. there is undeniably an incentive for those teachers to say, that their classes are going to do better than they really right. think they are going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's not surprising that Ofqual would say that looking at how teachers believe that their students will do, they're likely to yep. be optimistic. There's an incentive for that in terms of you'll get 
better funding for your school, you'll if it's a private school, you will get more people coming to, you know, wanting to pay to go to mm. your school because it gets better exam results. Higher. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. yeah. Super quick um UK system is is we take exams at fifteen and sixteen, uh, which are GCSEs. That's kind of between like ten and fourteen subjects. And then we narrow it down to kind of three or four subjects and, and do A-levels at 18, 17, 18. And it's those that decide essentially what university you get into. It's true to say that it's not accurate to look at what teachers say their their students will get and say, OK, well, that's what they'll get. Yeah. So having some kind of system, you can see the reason for it. Yeah. The system that they chose, however, <laughs> was to yeah. ask teachers two questions basically mm-hmm. um, for each subject for each of their students uh, what grade do you think they would get if they were to sit mm-hmm. an exam and then rank the students in your class in order basically so of the ones who would get a star the top grade yep. which one is going to get the, the do the best Highest, out of those right. students yep. and which one is going to do the yep. worst and that's true for each grade they use those along with the performance in that school in the three previous years so that meant right. that if you're a good student in a bad performing yep. school yeah chances are you don't no you're, matter how well you do you don't your, get yeah. a, you don't have an opportunity to get the top grade that's yep. just tough and those yep. poorly performing schools tend to be in poorer areas because that's right. how schools work yeah so if you are in a, a poor school in a poor area doesn't matter how clever you are you're pretty much this year you're not going to get an a you're not going to get an a star that's just one of those things wow but the main reason why this turned out to be a problem apart from the fact that it meant that a lot of kids didn't get the results that that the teachers Mm -hmm. thought they could get for the that kind of reason even in response to the those questions well yeah is because they didn't use those questions consistently overall uh-huh. schools one of the things uh-huh. they did right was treated uh, different class sizes differently because they figured right. that if you've got 30 kids in your class which is kind of a standard average number yep. of kids in a in a what americans would call a public school public school yeah. in britain is super posh it's a private but, school but yeah yeah <laughs> a, pub, a public school or comprehensive school yeah um a state school a state school yeah yep. school that's funded by the state uh in, in those, yeah, general class size, pretty much kind of 30, sometimes a bit more than 30. Um, yeah. Even at, at, at A level, it's like maybe slightly lower, lower than that. And and depends on the subject as well. For subjects like math, science, English, um, it's going to be around that number. For, for some subjects like Greek, German, right. uh, music, yeah. things like that, it's going to be a lower class yeah. size. For those kind of sizes of class, they figured that, okay, that statistically we know what's roughly going to happen. We know roughly how many kids in this school are supposed mm-hmm. to get A stars, A's, B's, C's, D's, and U's, yep. Yep. which is ungraded. Yep. So we'll just carry that over. However many kids in this school got an A star in history uh, last, last year, year or over the last yep. three years, we'll assume that, say, two out of the 30 are going to get an A star. So the top two as as ranked by their teachers will give them an a star right and the bottom one no matter how good they are even if the teacher reckons they're going to get a c yeah the bottom one gets a a u U if uh previous in previous years the the kids in that school got a u 
Yeah. So, so some students found that their scores were going down by two grades. Wow. They completely ignored the grades that the teachers thought that the, those kids would get. They based it purely on the ranking. Right. For class sizes of 5 to 15, they kind of yep. did a, a, a mixture. So they looked at the grades, they right. looked at the rankings, they looked at what those schools got in the past and kind of mixed it all together and, and the algorithm spit out an answer. Yeah. For kids in classes of five or less, they based it purely on what the teachers reckoned their grade would be. Because they said, essentially, yeah. we don't have enough statistical information to, yep. to feed the algorithm. But so also, we'll just go with whatever the teacher said, which yeah. we acknowledge is probably optimistic. But we'll go with right. it anyway. That's but it. But we'll just go with it anyway. Because uh, what it also does is perpetuate, given the fact that this government comes from, comes from Eton, yes. Eton and Oxford and Cambridge, it perpetuates the tiny class sizes A hundred percent, yeah. Privately funded schools. That's where you get those small classes. You get small class yeah. sizes. So it, it in, perpetuates in the class divide. And private yeah. schools where, where the um, parents of those kids are paying... Because yep. they can afford to have small classes and, yeah. and you know, teach them or, or with know, some subjects, one on two, one on three, schools, one on four. Yeah. And some, those niche subjects of classical Greek yeah. and, and, you know, yeah, philosophy yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. You'll and get increasingly you'll do A-levels. music and all the things Absolutely. that you used to get at state schools. You'll do yeah. those things in private schools. Yeah. So what happened was overall there were more A's and A stars in 2020 than there were in 2019 which is what you yep. typically get. There's usually a slight increase each year. But those A's were going to private school kids. Yep. The kids in poorer schools and in bigger schools were finding in, uh, almost 40% of those kids had their um, grades that were predicted by their teachers downgraded. They only increased wow. the grades of 2% of kids. Wow. So this essentially was devastating to a lot of kids who yeah. had done well, um, essentially... Uh, dumb kids in private schools benefited hugely from yep. this. Yeah, uh, smart yep. kids in state schools did badly. Which means that's the next generation of right-wing government sorted yeah. out, isn't it? Yeah, oh, and, it, and it ended up with them losing university places. Yep. Uh, there was a whole big furore, and yep. the uh, the government initially said we're fine, it's all robust, and then pretty quickly mm -hmm. went, uh, but you know, there's a system. There's going we're going to put a system in place for people to appeal. And ultimately what happened yeah. was they went with the teachers' <laughs> grades. They went with the CAGs because that yeah. because everything else resulted in bad results for people yeah. who didn't deserve bad results. Yeah, and also it kicked in the teeth any pretense that the government had to be providing education that would increase year on year yeah. people's educational qualifications. Yeah. That you know you can't you can't maintain that you are an equal opportunities educator and you're um, ensuring that each subsequent generation does better than the last yeah. if you just then apply a pretty much class based algorithm to say oh yeah well let's let's promote the schools that are likely to be voting for us. Mm, there's a PhD thesis, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. The weird thing is, though, Ofqual had done a study, and this came out only a few days after the exam results, where they had kind of matched up. They'd looked at the previous years, the 2019 figures. They'd basically run their algorithm against the figures that they had the results for. Right. So they could check yep. whether it worked or not. 
Yeah. It didn't work. And they yeah. knew it didn't work going in. And they told yeah. the government, this is this work? is going to go badly. You shouldn't oh. do this. Oh, okay. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. so for their for the wow. best the, the one that they were best at predicting was history yeah. A level. And they were right. They right. got the right grade two thirds of the time, slightly more than two thirds of the time. For the worst right. one, which was Italian A level, it was right barely a quarter of the time. Wow! And and they knew they they'd done this. They they'd, knew it. they'd tested yep. the algorithm. They'd gone well. This We've algorithm got existing. We can the chuck went, it against the things anyway. we've done before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Let's just use it. So Ofqual wow. told the government, "Here's what we think you should do. You yep. should either go by teachers' grades." You should delay uh-huh. the, the exams and, and kind of hopefully in a few months' time we'll be in a position where we can do the exams. And yes, that sucks yep. for people yep. and it messes up universities, but maybe we can figure something out in we October. We can all work that out. Yeah, um, yeah. Or, like, as a last resort, we can try and figure something out. And the, and the government went, go and with Jesus. that one. That's go the one. Oh. We're doing that. <laughs> yeah. Because, because, oh, man. It does make you think, you know, far be it from us to... Uh, adhere to any kind of conspiracy theory does make you think that yeah are they just got one eye on future voting okay we're going to be out of power for a generation or two that but how do we make sure that we we create a new generation that will vote us back in in 30 years time Mm, I don't know that they think that far ahead they just they just think oh yeah well it did no harm to for us you know we had it we had itself and we yeah. turned out all right. And it's that, oh, man. So, it, what, yeah. <laughs> Our second example <laughs> is, uh, this is Chris Philp, the Minister for Policing. Almost every store has CCTV, and when shoplifting occurs, very often uh, there are CCTV images of the perpetrator, including an image of their face. And we now have extremely sophisticated facial recognition uh, technology, which allows facial matching. We've got quite deep databases of custody image running into the millions. Uh, We can also search things like the passport database as well. It's on a separate IT system, but the passport database, for example, is searchable. And the algorithm which um, matches crime scene images against the facial database we hold, various databases, is so accurate that even where uh, the image is blurred or fuzzy, even where the face is partially obscured, it's possible to get matches. Chris Philp is, is very yeah, excited like about facial recognition yeah. technology and Watch AI. Too many episodes of CSI. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. thinks it's fucking brilliant, and yeah. and requested in December of last year the police to double their use of facial recognition. I don't know right. what that even means. Means like, yeah, it just <laughs> two faced. Yeah, make a bit sure faced about it. You are yeah getting twice as much benefit as you currently do from this technology. Yeah, it's yeah. But so if you can is, get really blurry ones yeah. to work, and and what those people that are partially obscured, let's <laughs> see if you can get people that are completely obscured. Let's see, let's get some positive identification. And the thing is, there is some bias in how human people recognise faces. Human people. Human people. As opposed to kind of Chris Philp kind of people. I don't want to to brag, but I am a super recogniser. You are indeed. In the top 
kind of two percent i think of people recognizing faces i mean i'm unusually good at it my eldest has prosopagnosia which face blindness which which means that they find it very difficult to recognize people even people they know all of it if they've changed their hair or clothes or whatever they're like just you know don't recognize people in supermarkets whatever kind of in context when they talk and and if they're wearing clothes they expect or or stuff like that then it's then you can kind of put that person in the context you expect wow. and, and know who they are. But but in some cases, it's just, nope, I don't know who that is. Don't Makes it very entertaining no. watching films because they're like, oh, yeah. so who is that person now? I'm like, that was the person from the previous scene. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like watching, yeah. it's like watching with my other half. So, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm, I take part in, in regular research with the University of Greenwich wow. uh, yep. for for kind of face recognition yeah. stuff. Wow, you're a one-man AI <laughs> thing. You could you could get work with Chris Philp. Police forces all around the world hire super recognizers because it's a super right. useful thing for them. If yeah. they if they're looking yeah. for someone and they have CCTV footage and they can get yeah. someone to to watch it who is unusually good at recognizing people through yeah. kind of fuzzy images and stuff like that, that's yeah. really good. If you put an algorithm on that, that's just another way of doing it. Right. And human people, <laughs> human super recognizers, there is yeah. a kind of race-based disparity in ability. Not huge, right? but mm-hmm. we are better at recognizing our own race than other right. races. Okay. It turns out that the algorithms are fucking way worse at that. But, oh, but, okay. <laughs> but specifically for darker-skinned people. So yeah. one test that was done at MIT showed that mm. the error rate for white male faces by this by facial yep. recognition algorithms these are commercial face recognition softwares mm. was 0.8% for white males wow. pretty good that's pretty good yep for dark skinned female faces 35% mm. error rate whoa that's fucking whoa. terrible that's and if you're basing many powers of yeah, 10 if you're basing wow. your your arrest on that yeah that's yeah. insane and very, very bad. Wow. So, yeah, it's worse It's worse on females than on, than on males and worse on dark skin than on light skin. But the thing is, you would think, well, that's okay. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a tool that's being used. It's being used yep. to kind of help the police. And when they yeah, actually yeah, yeah. make so their decision... So it would alert the police to go... Yeah, yeah. To go well, look they're not going to just arrest someone based yeah. on the algorithm. They're, they will go no. and they will, you know, then make decisions and, it, and there's humans factored in. And it... It will, yes, exactly. The trouble you is <laughs> that in a situation yeah. where an individual police officer is required to make an arrest or make a decision of, as to whether to arrest, yeah. it's not inconceivable that they would defer to the technology exactly, or be more likely to think that it's reliable and yep. think, well, you know, I, I'm kind of on the fence, but the technology says yes, so let's get them, yeah. uh, than it would be to kind of dismiss that and go on their own information that they have. At least yeah. it is likely to lead them in that direction in in some cases, and that's a problem mm. because mm. that is relying on stuff which is inherently unreliable yeah. to a greater extent than you should. Yeah. And the, that's where this fallacy comes in, is, is relying too much on the technology and assuming that the technology is making good decisions when in yes. fact it isn't. And and the thing is, the underlying systemic racism of the police system yep. that leads people to make those kinds of decisions. Mm-hmm. For example, if you look at the stop and search rates yep. of different races in the UK, 
police officers have uh, the power to stop and search if they have what's called reasonable grounds to suspect someone is carrying illegal drugs, a weapon, stolen property or yep. something which could be used to commit a crime, like a crowbar or something like that. Reasonable grounds are open to interpretation. <laughs> mm. They can yep. mean, they can include the suspicion that serious violence could take place, the suspicion that someone is carrying a weapon or, or, or has yep. used one, uh, or just being in a specific location or area. So somewhere where yeah. there is kind of a, seem to be high crime, yeah. being someone being alone in that area, looking a bit suspicious, is enough yeah. reasonable grounds. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. the yeah. in the US for the Fourth Amendment searches, mm -hmm. usually the the grounds is an articulable reason to stop. Someone. Right. They don't have yeah. to have an articulable reason in the UK. Well, even if they did, they could articulate it. Yes. But you but then then you just say, "What? You're, yeah, you're yeah. arresting me because I'm here in the wrong place after dark in yeah. a loud shirt." So what that yeah. results in is in the UK, the number of stop and searches per 1000 people among mm -hmm. white people is 3 per 1000. Oh, right. That's quite small. Yeah. 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 Among black people, it's 38 per 1000. So that's 12 times wow. as frequently. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is, when you stop and search people, eventually mm -hmm. you'll find stuff that means you can arrest yeah. them. That's yeah. how that works. Yeah. So black people are much more likely to get arrested than white people, which is unsurprising given that they're searched 12 times as much. Right. That means there is a suspicion that black people commit more crime among those police. Right. And so the, the algorithms that decide where should we deploy yeah, yeah. security cameras, which we can yeah. put facial recognition technology on, yeah. are more likely it's to be on, in yeah. black areas, yeah. in urban areas, where the people that we yeah. deem to yeah. be higher likelihood of being criminals, because of the yeah. amount that we arrest them based on the amount we search them. It's back to <laughs> Constable Savage, isn't it? Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's the whole, well, he's a criminal, so yeah, because you arrested him. So yeah, what ends up what it ends up with is you are you algorithm. are applying that facial recognition technology disproportionately yep. to areas that you've decided and people that you've decided are higher have a higher likelihood of committing crimes and therefore when that facial recognition technology comes back with hits it feeds yep. back into that process and it's a feedback yeah. loop that ends up causing more disparity in in the results of that and arrests mm. and mm. and proving your case that yeah they're all criminals yeah our final example is <laughs> yep. another one of a negative feedback loop right and it is the government's attempt to use an algorithm to mm -hmm. process visas and visa applications right. for immigrants and this was yep. removed this this algorithm based on a mm -hmm. lawsuit from the joint council for the welfare of immigrants right they along with a tech accountability organization called foxglove looked at what was happening with uh, visas and immigration and and we're like well this is bad this is not yep. being done in a reliable way and it and the decisions yep. are being made by a computer not fully again it's an assist it's a tool but mm -hmm. um it requires humans then to go against what the computer says or right it specifically streams immigrants into amounts of scrutiny for the humans to give them right yes, yes. Um, and yep. what this tool was doing was streaming largely white immigrants into a right. green stream where they don't right. get very much scrutiny and yep. immigrants from other countries into amber and red streams where based on those countries wow. they then get more scrutiny and and see whether they are eligible to get a visa to whether it's to come 
to kind of live in in the UK or just yeah. to come for a conference or a professional opportunity uh, to study right. to come for a wedding or a funeral or you know for for any reason just to come and visit yeah it is assigning risk based on nationality and not just well, nationality but that's one of the main things that that it seemed to trigger enhanced scrutiny right and the thing is when you do enhanced scrutiny you find more things yeah. when you <laughs> yes. are asked to just yeah. rubber stamp someone who's in the green stream um, yeah, you're not going to find gonna stuff. Bother looking, yes. And this algorithm was essentially designed with feedback. It was designed to learn from the results of the investigations that it streaming triggered. Right. So what yep. that meant yep. was the people from the countries which were given the most scrutiny, they found yep. the most bad stuff about <laughs> when the humans did their investigations. Yeah. <laughs> and then that fed back into... That's fed back into it. So, yeah. so it's like, well, yeah. definitely yeah. don't let people from these countries in. Yeah, because <laughs> they've got bad stuff. Look at all the bad stuff we found. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas the people we did... Yeah, it's the, the people we it's let through Trump's argument. didn't find anything bad yeah, about them. You, because we've done more tests, we've found more... Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the virus. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So ultimately, in August of 2020, the Home Office agreed yeah. to redesign their mm. uh, visa processing system. But right. at the same time, we're like, this doesn't mean we think you're right that it's racist. Yeah, we're just, not- we are agreeing we're- to suspend it for now and introduce yeah. a new version by the end of the year that will when be we, different. Well, <laughs> yes. I love the the fact that Foxglove called it speedy boarding for white people. Yes. <laughs> That's very good. Even if he dodges prison time, it's clear that Trump's done lots of crime. Observe the fraud that underlines he's like a villain paradigm. All the evidence has shown that he tells lies to get alone. He skirts around the laws we've known and then lies about them later. Aristotle watches from the wall. His mocking smile says it all as he records the rise and fall of every logical fallacy. But the only ones he now are we. We're fighting things we cannot see. I think it's called a fallacy that we're explaining. A fallacy in the wild. When you write a song about algorithms, you put yourself in a kind of prison. It's not much rhymes with algorithm, is what ChatGP told me. And I tried so hard to use AI to write this song to edify. It reminded me when it went awry that it's really not that good yet. Aristotle watches from the wall, his mocking smile says it all as he records the rise and fall of every logical fallacy. But the only ones here now are we We're fighting things we cannot see I think it's called a fallacy that we're explaining A fallacy in the wild Suzanne Vega there with Aristotle on the Wall Fantastic! (laughs) Good work! That's excellent. I love the love the acknowledgement that there are no rhymes in the middle of the second verse. That's <laughs> excellent. Very Sounds good. Nice. Wow. Any auto tune there, or did a little, little bit? Of, little, I had to learn how to use oh, okay. auto tune, but a little bit of auto tune, yeah. Because yeah, other, I, I yeah. mean, it, I think frankly, exposing Quite the high. listeners to my voice without auto tune <laughs> is is probably a war crime. 
So yeah. I know I've committed that, obviously. Many people have pointed that out. <laughs> so, yeah. Excellent. Why have I never done a Suzanne Vega song? God damn. That's that done. Well done. So anyway, Fallacy in the Wild is a section where we look at the fallacy from a non-political perspective. So our first example is the one that I went to in order to select this fallacy in the first place. Because <laughs> that's the other weighty demand on you when we swap roles is to come up with the in the first place. So there's currently on TV a dramatization of the Horizon 2 scandal, which is called Mr. Bates versus the Post Office. And here's the trailer for it. The computer system Post Office spent an arm and a leg on is faulty. No one else has ever reported any problems with Horizon. No one. You're responsible for the loss. I haven't got that money. And I don't know where it's gone. These deficits were most likely caused by you. That is the post office case. So there was a system called Horizon, which was created by ICL to create a card swipe of basis for payments and transfers for the post office. And it deprived of its deployment in this context. And it didn't work. And it was kind of a failure. And uh, rather than kind of admit that it was, ICL kind of punted for deploying the same technology to streamline the processes for banking from sub post offices. So post offices in the UK are not just where you send letters off, it's probably the same in the US uh, and elsewhere, but you can also bank at the post office, you can pay in monies, and it would also be the issuer of monies out from government departments to, you know, for benefit payments. Yeah, it's where you can so get on. your pension and your child allowance yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. all that kind of stuff. So that all of that was automated. And the reason it's called Mr. Bates, it's based on Alan Bates and his partner, Suzanne, who uh, moved to North Wales in 1998 to run a shop and a post office. And Alan had already worked with software companies installing electronic point of sale systems. So basically those places where you turn up and you and you pay for stuff electronically, um, which in 1998 was quite new. So when the Horizon system arrived as a branch a couple of years later, so 2000, we're looking at 1999, it was deployed 2000. He thought, right, great, this will streamline the business. He'd invested £100,000 in his life savings in buying the property and uh, buying into the business. Yeah, so the, the, the sub-postmaster system in the UK is a bit weird, isn't it? In that you own a business, essentially. It's an ancient, it's like a franchise. Yeah, it is a bit of a franchise because it's, it's part of the post office and you're, obviously you're told what to do by the Royal Mail. But you own the business yeah. itself. And you and you and you sign up to a contract of all your liabilities and so forth. Yeah. And, and yeah. so yeah, you are you are responsible yep. for all of the stuff that happens in that business. Yeah. Both financially and legally. You swear allegiance to you're under contract to <laughs> the the main branch, but then you kind of get all the profits and so on and so forth because it's your uh, business. Um, but you're you're trading on the brand name, and he spotted fairly early on that there was a unexpected variance of like six thousand pounds, and he, being a software aware person, went through the um, the code line by line, the transaction line by line, and identified that there was like five thousand pounds of this, in that there was an overnight software update that had caused a duplication of some deposits. 
so the it's a bit like tallying up the 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 bar receipts you know there were there were several deposits people have bought various things that all been kind of uh, accounted for twice and there wasn't enough money in the till to cover for all of things and as humans you would look at it and go well hang on a minute there's a duplicate there that's well there's an error that shouldn't be there because we've had this deposit here is the money that proves that that deposit was made this deposit is registered but there is no money for it so therefore that must be an error so you would he raised that with the help desk the helpline and do all of the investigations he could but he was denied access to the data from his branch that was held centrally they wouldn't let him look at it and they held him accountable for this loss they believed the software system over his human intervention 550 people mr bates pulled them all together and toby jones is playing him um and he looks pretty much like the 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 original mr bates and he's kind of uh, encapsulating this drive which led to many people getting going bankrupt many people being sent to jail all because the the government backed post office would not accept that their system was in error not just wouldn't accept but specifically lied yes to, to, to people to, when yep. they told the call center staff to tell anyone who called in about it that they were the only one who complained about it and yep. there wasn't an issue yep so when they, they knew yeah. there was an issue so, so it was it was divide and conquer and the judge and the so recently as recently as december last year they kind of won their class action uh, and were awarded millions of pounds in damages infuriatingly it's a government-based thing so the taxpayers will be paying for that <laughs> um including the very people who have suffered at the hands of it and it's a very it's, it's the kind of hillsborough scale cover-up basically um that and it's from thing is a lot of people yeah. um who were affected haven't been awarded yes damages yes. weren't involved no. in the class action but exactly since the tv show more people have come forward and just today it was announced that the police are now investigating whether the the post office kind of criminally defrauded excellent the post yeah. sub postmasters yeah. yeah. by demanding money yeah. from them that they knew yeah they weren't entitled to yes spoiler alert they did yes absolutely yeah. yeah they did okay so our second example is from irobot the robot's brain is a difference engine it's reading vital signs it must have calculated that it did i was the logical choice calculated that i had a 45 percent chance of survival sarah only had an 11 percent chance that was somebody's baby 11 percent is more than enough human being would have known that robots nothing here just lights and clockwork and you trust them if you want to so that's will smith's character spooner explaining why he doesn't trust robots because the, the robot did the you know, the technology did, made the decision and went okay yeah you're gonna you've got a 45 percent chance of survival and that that's the key bit it's almost it could be Captain Kirk saying as much, couldn't it? <laughs> it's that, you know, 11% is more than enough. A human would have known that. But, yeah. But that's... and well, Spot, never tell me the odds. Yeah. And Spock <laughs> would have pointed out, he would have said, yeah, but that's illogical, Captain. 
mm. you know, his Vulcan half. There's the fallacy right there. Terrific performance because he kind of, he just kind of does that big pause and a choke and says, 11% is more than enough. You know, for another, yeah, if you've got 11% chance of survival. Oh my God, that's brilliant. We could do that. And that's, that's what, uh, Makes us human because you would and and not utilitarians, you know, as uh, Kant pointed out, you know, the greatest good for the greatest number. He, he would say, well, yeah, is that the way we sort out stuff? I think he ultimately kind of just went, mm, yeah, no, we're not really. Yeah, I mean, like if you that. plug uh, the trolley problem into an algorithm, there you go. <laughs> that's designed to do the greatest good yeah. for the greatest number yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Then, yeah, it, most of the time it's like, yeah, of course you push the guy off the bridge to stop the trolley to stop it from, yeah. from yeah, 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 crashing yeah. into people. Yeah. They wouldn't have an issue with it at all. Yeah, yeah. no, exactly. <laughs> because they're nothing but lights and clockwork. Yeah, <laughs> quite. So, yes, so taking this to its, its logical uh, um, <laughs> extreme is, I think, her character is, his character, David Williams' character is uh, called Carol, and um, here she is in Little Britain. Yeah, Lloyd. Age. Nearly six. Putting your details in now. Danielle's going to have her tonsils removed. I've got her down for a double hip replacement. <laughs> Oh, no, well, there must be some kind of mistake. Computer says no. Well, that, that must be some other Danielle Lloyd. Computer says no. There's only one Danielle Lloyd on the system. There you go. Yeah, the, the, uh, yeah. the whole shtick was that kind of, well, it was a, a rant against the notion of customer services. The people that work in those kind of support environments are bought into this fallacy that the technology will give them the right answer and no amount of human intervention will give you the a writer answer uh, and where would we be without um being able to provide an example from friends and here's chandler chandler's laptop features large his love of technology and here he is not on his laptop he's borrowing ross's laptop if you want to check your email just ask <laughs> What? Eh? Oh, no, 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 dear God, no. Your computer, I don't know what, everything's gone. What, what do you mean? It must be a virus. I think it erased your hard drive. What? Oh, my God, what, what did you do? Someone I don't know sent me an email and I opened it. Why? Why would you open it? Well, it didn't say this is a virus. What did it say? Nude. <laughs> Pictures of Anna Kornikova. <laughs> So good. That's so good, isn't it? Because why wouldn't you trust? <laughs> why wouldn't you trust the computer uh -huh. or the email system to be telling you the truth? He's kind of completely bought into that. We've all been there, and we've learned. We've learned. We've well. learned that you know you yeah. don't open those things. We do. But my organisation and others I've worked for still yep. send kind of phishing kind of emails to their employees oh, from really? external addresses as a test. Right. So that when you like it says kind of free coffee in the break room or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you open it up and it's a virus, but it's come because it's come from an outside email address. You're right. not supposed to open it. Right. You're supposed to click phishing. Oh, on okay. The, you know, report it to the IT department. Right. Yeah, And yeah, then yeah. they go, "Yay, well done! You spotted a phishing email." And then all the people who didn't spot it and open the email get sent into training or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's for training. That's ah right. Which reminds me of that episode of Friends where oh, just before um. Uh, Rachel quits her job 
is she quits it because she's she's sent for retraining after having spent <laughs> two and a half years serving coffee. She uh-huh. <laughs> Gunter has to retrain her. So, well, yeah. I mean, she didn't even know where the trace bot was. Well, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's going, oh yeah, that'd be a good place. Let's put it there. Yeah, <laughs> watching it all over again, all over again. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for Fake News, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Jim has to figure out which one is fake news. I mean, I think really what we should do here is plug uh, all the previous games that we've played into an algorithm and and just see what comes out. I think I've got about a 50-50 chance then of of getting it right. You see, exactly. we should automate this whole process. Because it's going to be far more accurate, and surely. accept the answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yes, quite. Well, as a bit, of, a bit of a departure this week, because let's face it, Jim knows everything Trump has ever said about <laughs> anything and probably anything, everything he ever will say. I thought I'd look at the, the star is born type relationship between Trump and his British mini-me, Boris, Careers have waxed and waned, and oh, and cheat. And Boris has been there <laughs> declaring friendship or decrying wrongdoings as suits the requirements of his own rising and plummeting star. So, what we have are three Boris quotes about Trump. So, uh, okay, so the first one is from December 2015 when Boris was nothing but a mayor of London, and this was after Trump's Muslim ban. I think Donald Trump is clearly out of his mind, if you think that's a sensible way to proceed. You can't ban people going to the United States in that way or indeed to any country. What he's doing is playing the game of the terrorists and those who seek to divide us. And that's exactly the kind of reaction they hope to produce. And I have to say, when Donald Trump says that there are parts of London that are no-go areas, I think he's betraying a quite stupefying ignorance that makes him frankly unfit to hold the office of President of the United States. Statement number two uh, was, in, so we, we fast forwarded a bit, we're in uh, January 2021 and Boris is now the Prime Minister and he's talking the day after uh, the January 6th. Look, on on uh, the, the United States, I, I just want to and the election, I, I will say all my life, America has stood for some very important things, an idea of freedom and an idea of democracy. And uh, as you as you say, as you suggest, insofar as uh, he encouraged people to uh, storm the Capitol and insofar as the uh, president consistently has cast doubt on uh, the outcome of a free and fair election, I believe that was completely wrong. I think what President Trump has been saying about that has been uh, completely wrong. And I and I un, unreservedly condemn encouraging people to behave in the disgraceful way that they did in the capital. Okay. Okay. <laughs> mm. Okay. So I'm considering, considering. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, I quite like this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now we're going to fast forward a little bit more to November 2023. Uh, so we're two prime ministers later, and and this is ahead of Boris taking the job on GB News. He was asked about Trump uh, in 2024. We're possibly eyeing a job over there as well. And he says, statement number three. 
Well, you see, uh, when it comes to Donald Trump running for for the White House again, one must um, consider it's a, a rather fascinating situation in that he's he's both Goliath in terms of having held the uh, highest office and uh, a fall from that uh, height is one that's hard for him to countenance. But he's still playing David in the face of, of what he perceives as a coordinated campaign to undermine him. Now, in that underdog role, his undeniable uh, charisma certainly speaks to his substantial following. And I've no doubt that the entire American electorate um, may find themselves grappling rather with with um, not a modicum of uh, trepidation to see how all this, with its attendant drama, unfolds. Right. This is way harder than it is when you know them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, weird that. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, it's almost completely different. Uh, yeah, from the <laughs> almost point of right. having to guess. Yeah, uh, from yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. It does give and it gives one an insight into the 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 time you must be spending on looking at the <laughs> stuff and going, yeah, okay, I've got to try and get that right. I've got to get it to get it to sound plausible. Yeah. Without giving away too many clues, yeah, quite, yeah. quite. It's tricky. Mm. It's very tricky. Mm. And I, what I would say is, I think the the second two, two and three, mm. are semantically similar to Boris's speech patterns more, and and similar, semantically similar to each other in that there's plenty of hesitation and right. and raw right. kind of Boris type <laughs> right. stuff, right. more so than number one. And I'm wondering if that's because those are real and number one is fake, or mm. Because whichever of two or three is fake, you're based on the other one in oh, I see. finding the speech pattern. That right. could be. But I would still be surprised if he got through number one without doing some kind of hesitation or deviation or <laughs> going into Latin. Right. Or Greek. Yeah, Latin, um, Latinization is that? Yeah, yeah. Got yeah, yep. I uh -huh. feel I'm like one feels both too aware of reality and also too coherent right i think right and the wish is i'm leaning towards that being the fake oh, okay uh, at the moment okay they're all poorly expressed as you right. would expect right and I, I believe number three i think now when i'm going to go i'm going to put my chips down on number three being real okay it feels very Borisy. Oh, now that could be. A, I'm just thinking that could be a brilliant tribute act to the to the Smiths' Boris former frontman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely, oh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We'd have to rewrite. Yeah, heaven knows I'm miserable now. I I I wanted. To, I used to have a job, and now I don't have a job, and heaven knows I'm miserable uh -huh. now. Yeah. Yeah, Borisy. Nice. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with number one is the one you made up. Okay, so of the other two, uh, which are you more confident I'm, I'm about? I'm more convinced by three. Okay, number three. Yep. Mm -hmm. Number three. And number three is fake news. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can't believe wow. it. Can't believe it. Oh, well, congratulations. I mean, that that is as good as it gets when, it you're, the, when you are the purveyor much. of fake news. That was an absolute slam dunk. Because, I, yeah, no, that was the one that convinced me. Yay. And, um, it, well, yeah, totally, totally bought into it. Brilliant. 
Well, the the Very bit good. about the uh, well, the fact that the kind of the coordinated campaign to undermine him is basically what he said about the select committee, um, right, and Partygate. Um, but the whole David and Goliath, I completely made that up. Nice. That was my. I, I did for a while have some. I did have Vox Populi in there rather than American Electorate, <laughs> and I thought, no, nah, that's going to give it away. And um, I don't think it would have. I think it would have been made me even more. Convinced. Oh really? Oh okay. Okay. <laughs> I was right. I was on the lookout for some classics. Yeah, yeah. In there. Yeah. Well, that's uh, yeah. yeah I thought, you know, and and I think kind of modicum of trepidation was probably. The thing, but I did notice that he doesn't say U.S. He always says United States or America. So right. just shoving in, um, making sure I put in America or United States in there. Yeah. So number one turns out to be real. I think Donald Trump is clearly out of his mind. If you think that's a sensible way to proceed, you can't ban people going to the United States in that way or indeed to any country. And, and what he's doing is playing the game of the terrorists and those who seek to divide us. That is exactly the kind of reaction they hope to produce. And I have to say, when Donald Trump says that there are parts of London that are, are no-go areas, I think he's betraying a quite stupefying ignorance that makes him, frankly, unfit to hold the office of president of the United States. So, yeah, uh, those, those... yeah, I know. <laughs> Back when Boris made sense. Yes, or, or at <laughs> least didn't, didn't kind of um and uh all the way through. I mean, yeah, he, he does a bit about? where he kind of breathes in and kind of nearly chokes. That mm. yeah. So that was when is that is it is his general melchitness as much of, a, <laughs> of of an affectation then as his messy ah. hair that he deliberately messes up when he's going on camera. Could, could well be yes, yeah, yes. As he's got more powerful and less confident, what he's done is revert to well, I'm just as I'm making this up as much as you are. Whilst everybody's going, we don't need you to do that. We need you to be just as assertive as you pretended to be when you were London mayor. Mm. Yeah, mate. I think maybe mm. it comes from the constant need to lie. Oh yeah, I there is that. Yeah, that because he was telling the truth. In <laughs> yeah, that yeah, bit. yeah. But when he's asked yep. questions about stuff that he's done wrong or mm. stuff that he's going to do yep. while he's prime minister, which he and he's definitely not planning on doing. Yeah, that. Ends up with a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I've got to think of. I've got to like think of the nuance yeah. of what I'm about to say because I've yeah. got to. I've got to have plausible deni deniability built in. Yeah, I always think of him as like Hugh Grant in the Four Weddings. Exactly. Yes. Like David Cassidy, in fact, yeah. uh, when he was uh, still a member of the Partridge family. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly that. Exactly that. Okay, so number two, which you failed to spot as well, but, but you were right in the fact that I took all the the um, uh, uh, the kind of uh, vocal nuances from number two is, is also real. Look on on the uh, the the United States. I, I just want to and, and the election. I would say that all, all my life, America has stood for some very important things: an idea of freedom and an idea of democracy. And uh, as you as you say, as you suggest, in so far as uh, he encouraged people to uh, storm the the Capitol, and insofar as the uh, the president consistently has cast doubt on uh, the outcome of a free and fair election, I, I believe that that was completely wrong. I think what President Trump has uh, been saying about that has been 
uh, completely wrong. And I, and I unreservedly condemn uh, encouraging people to behave in the disgraceful way uh, that they did in the capital. It's just a dissembling. Dissembling is the, is the word. Mm. Well, fantastic. So, I, yeah, how are we going to score that? Do I Well, I mean, you're undefeated as, as question master. Yeah. Um, yes. I'm, I'm. I'm zero for one. I'm. Oh, I'm man. I have zero percent. That's okay. so. so when we next do this in <laughs> the, uh, on episode two hundred and eighty, uh-huh. yeah, because we're yeah, yeah. we're not doing it this sooner is, than that. Because if you now a, far too bloody stressful. We're doing every yeah. hundred and forty episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we've set the precedent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which yeah, which will be the end of Trump's next term. Oh, what a giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> so have we got any results from social contestants? Well, Richard Thunder Hopkins, he disagrees with you. He's going straight for the juggler. <laughs> Number three is fake oh, news. Wow. There we go. The Bible is too easy a target for an incredible intellectual like Boris fucking fuckhead Johnson. I'm pretty sure he <laughs> quotes exclusively poor Latin and wouldn't be called dead quoting Aramaic or whatever other bullshit that's needed <laughs> in the Bible. Either that or two. He says. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So the biblical references to David and Goliath, he's not convinced oh, that by. Didn't... Oh, see, I was absolutely taken in by that. Ah, there you go. go. Yeah. Well, mm. you should listen to Richard. And over on uh, Patreon, Anders says, the first one has a lack of errors altogether to put us off that one. Second one has mm. too many errors. And that's also to catch those who think it's an unreasonable amount. The third one, perfect amount of errors. And by that relation, <laughs> relationship reasoning, it's yeah, fake. I, I should have gone with that. Yeah. That makes sense. Goldilocks yeah. all over again. Yeah. That's right. Yes. S- Scott says, second one sounds quite Borisy to me. Very Borisy indeed. Third one, there's <laughs> the requisite stammers and doublespeak that Boris excels at. I think the first one is fake because I doubt Boris was his whole donald that forcefully i'm wrong of course but i stand by it there you go that's what you needed to have added yeah yeah uh, yeah and uh oh hello and meanwhile over over on patreon richard's thinking something completely different from what he's he thought got a on Facebook. Bite of the cherry yeah well yeah well i'll have to check the time <laughs> well stamps, that gives you yeah. two i guess if you're going to do that it gives you two chances to be right doesn't it well exactly or both to be yeah. wrong yeah two chances so, to be wrong yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and he says, um, uh, I think number one is uh, um, uh, fake news, not only because uh, there are no um, idiotic stutters and uh, fillers, but I don't think Boris the fophead swat would say such mean uh, things about Mr. Donald. Yeah, yeah, that was that was my reasoning is is both go. the lack of fillers and the lack mm. the lack of agreeing with Donald. It, it doesn't hold back. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. And Will M says number one is fake. So he agrees with you. That man is a complete muff, total and utter word salad, just like Trumple Thin Skin. <laughs> Trumple Thin Skin. That's excellent. It's yeah. a good one. So, you know, you're amongst, you're amongst friends. but Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm in good company. Yeah. I'm okay with uh, that. But all of you are wrong. Yes. And I'm very, I'm, I can, I, can I, I'm feeling the smuggest I've felt for quite some time. I, it's, I, the, the smugness is, a bit, is the bit I enjoy, yeah. Right. I'm not enjoying this bit. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to live. With, that's the trouble is, I'm gonna have to live with the, with my zero percent win rate, right? All the way until we do another one. Yeah, hundred. I'm gonna make it last as long so, as I possibly can. I mean, well, we have to. I think we should probably see if the if the dear listeners 
yeah. think no, don't listen this to them. is a good idea I think to what do we need this to do more is, often. We, no, we just need to look at the technological <laughs> output and, and uh, not listen to a word the humans are saying. Because what do they know? What do they know? <laughs> we'll go by the numbers. We'll go by the downloads. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. See. And, and not just like human beings speaking to us. All right. Because they're prone to error. What we'll do yeah. is if I tell you what. It, All right. If we get reviews, mm-hmm. like ratings on iTunes based on this episode, yeah. that will give us an indication that this was appreciated and um, it is something to be repeated. Okay. I must... be a, an algorithmic right. yeah. basis for making the decision. Oh, okay. Yeah. Note, uh, note to self, must go onto <laughs> iTunes and, and say this is the worst idea you've ever had. <laughs> So now it's part of the show that, for this week at least, Trump election year courtroom tour, brackets, T-shirt available soon. It's not a logical fallacy. Yeah, we can't release the T-shirt yet because the date for the Georgia trial has not been decided. But are we going to put the T-shirt out on the moment that that gets announced or the, yes. the date? Okay. Because I've got the a very second. They, they... I've, I've got a Google <laughs> alert set up. The very second. Yeah. Off it the, goes. The yeah. Judge McAfee decides yeah. which date the George yeah. trial starts. The, sec- is the date the that t-shirt goes on The second thing they sale. ever do is uh, <laughs> they press the T public button. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. It's yeah. a great t-shirt. Oh, it's, it is. I'm really. I'm looking forward to ordering it once I've put it up. There. Yeah, me too. But no, it's, uh, I can't put it up there with a provisional date or uh, whatever it is about me yeah. won't accept that won't let me do it uh, integrity yeah, yeah. that's the yeah. one yeah let's call it that let's go yeah. with integrity okay <laughs> yeah. yeah i can't sell a, a t-shirt with a fake date on it no or a provisional or date. just a I have couple to of question marks for the official date to come in what will happen is yeah that that date will be validated and yeah. then i'll put it out immediately yeah. and then eileen cannon will announce that they're delaying the, the, the other one Florida and then that one trial. yeah and then you'd have That'll to hold that one off yeah but i'm okay with that because it was accurate at some point at the, right i have a t-shirt in my extensive t-shirt collection which commemorates the 1996 athens olympics right there wasn't an Olympics in Athens in, in oh, 1996. Planned. But because it was the 100th anniversary of the, of the modern Olympics, modern Olympics yeah, yeah. they reckoned it would be. And I was in Greece in like the early oh, 90s okay. and they were selling these 1996 <laughs> Olympics t-shirts. Oh, yeah. So, so I thought, I mean, that's good. I've got to have that. Yeah. And, then, and then they didn't do it. Brilliant. So well, that's the equivalent of getting a, a Beatles <laughs> album where the, the label is misprinted. Mm. Worth an absolute fortune. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, if uh, at any point, yeah, there are dates for the for all of the Trump trials. Nice. The T-shirt's going out, and it's staying how it was at that point. I'm not yeah. going to make any changes when they read when they move the court dates. Right. At some point, that was accurate, oh, okay. and that'll have to be good enough yeah. for everyone. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I'm I'm talking like people buy our T-shirts. We sell like two or three of each design at what best. Are you, what's the matter with you people? Do you not wear clothes? <laughs> Heaven's sake. Yeah. I, I mean, and at least one of those is me. And uh, I think the other one is, is probably me. <laughs> I, all, I exclusively wear T-shirts from the fa- yeah. fallacious Trump merch store. Yeah. Well, they are, well that's, that's the true mark of an artist. We only do stuff. They're good, they're we good do t- to be honest. stuff for ourselves. T-Public make good T-shirts. They're, oh god, they're gorgeous! They're yeah, they're proper. Yeah. yeah, is they fruit of the loom? Anyway. Were they? Yeah. Anyway, I have a uh, a t shirt for the Isle of Wight Festival 2020, which didn't get held. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, because cause yeah. COVID. But yeah, but they printed them all the same. 
But anyway, I thought it would be a good idea to kind of, you know, set the year off. Sometimes we look ahead in, with those kind of horoscope-type predictions of the, of the thing, but I thought it would be good to just remind ourselves of the courtroom <laughs> tour that uh, Trump's going to try and balance against his visits uh, that are required for his uh, run for, to become the uh, Republican nominee. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing coming up very soonest mm -hmm. is 11th of January, which is closing arguments in the New York civil fraud trial. Yes. That's what I'm looking forward to yes. at the moment. That, that one's kind of, yeah, there, that's sort of, that's one he, he has he typified that as, a, or characterised that as a, uh, just out to get him? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, this is the one where, uh, with Judge Arthur Engeren, who yep. who had to put gag orders on Trump and then his yep. legal team when um, attacks on Engeren's team moved yep. from Trump to his legal team. Yeah. And I don't think we ever actually talked about this, but Alina Harbour said on all the Sunday shows that Trump would be testifying on the last day of the trial. Right. Because he's not a coward. And, you know, cowards run. Right. And you know, don't right. don't spe don't testify. But as and we know, he'd jump in front of a, a, a you know a, a school shooting. Absolutely, and you know he was in the right. Anybody. He was brave, and so he was going to testify mm. and talk about it, uh, all of the things. Uh, he didn't testify mm -hmm. <laughs> on the no. last day. He pulled out. Yeah, of course. Uh, so they the um, defense rested without <laughs> either Donald or Eric yeah. testifying again on their behalf. They he he was on the stand. Uh, being questioned when the prosecution were making their case, mm -hmm. but he didn't say again for the defence. So this is just about determining how much it's going to cost them and, and yeah. if their um, businesses in New York are going to have to be folded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Engren's already decided he absolutely committed fraud. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a that's a given thing. It's a bit like the uh, the Stormy Daniels case, but that he's he's definitely did what he did do. He's just it's just down to how much of damages he's got to pay or you know that is coming up that is one of his one of his many cases yeah that that will be coming up the stormy Daniels case I think Manhattan district attorney Ivan Brad case yeah trial for that is currently scheduled for March 25th yeah I mean it's very clear that he absolutely falsified business records cover that in up. fact he was he was charged with uh, 34 felony counts for that last March. Right. But the, no, the the outcome of that hasn't been kind of predetermined by the judge. That I will, I suspect, be a jury trial. Right. The next hearing for that is February 15th, mm -hmm. when Judge Marchand will decide kind of how it's going to proceed and what, uh, and Trump will have to attend that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's going to talk about what the, the actual procedure for the trial will be. The Stormy Daniels one yeah. is the first criminal case right and the next one that is due after that is the mar-a-lago one uh -huh. uh, which currently is scheduled for Mar may 20th right but eileen cannon the judge yep. Yep. has not been hurrying people up in terms of motions and things like that and and it, there's there's a lot of feeling that that's probably going to be pushed now and now is that because she's a trump appointed judge it's possible. Right. It might just be the way she prefers to do things. It might yeah. be the fact that she's a Trump appointed judge. Yeah. It might be that she doesn't really know what she's doing <laughs> because she yeah. was appointed to the bench with very, very little experience. Mm -hmm. And most of the decisions she made in the, um, the whole Mar-a-Lago case of appointing special counsel and doing yeah, various yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that were 
really stupid bad decisions that that coincidentally benefited Trump in most yeah, most cases. Right. So who are we to draw any kind of conclusion? Not yep. fully backed legally. Yeah. <laughs> when when, when yeah. anyone, including the district court that um, things were appealed to, mm-hmm. looked at it at all and they just went, well, this is a bullshit yeah. argument yeah. And, and pushed it backwards. But mm-hmm. she does have quite a lot of leeway in deciding when things happen. Right. So, so it's so she doesn't have to kind of hurry things up, and the fact that she isn't means that might get pushed back. And of yeah. course, the other thing at the moment is that the March fourth trial might not go ahead at that point because currently that's the Judge Trukan DC case, yeah, and that is the the one that currently is under a stay, right? Um, because Trump is appealing his claimed immunity, uh, right, to the yes. Supreme Court, yes, yes. Jack Smith uh, also appealed to the DC District Court, the, the Appeals Court in DC, and the and the Supreme Court at the same time to yep. say, "Can you just rule on whether he is immune from prosecution or not?" Yep. Because yep. Yep. I don't think he is, and there's yep. no point in us going ahead if he is. The Supreme Court, yeah, they refuse cert on that, right. so that means that they're going to wait. They're pushing it back to the lower court, um, ah. waiting for their decision. Mm-hmm. If the if their decision whatever their decision is, is going to be appealed by either side. So if they yep. decide that Trump is immune, yep. Smith will appeal. If the if they decide he isn't Not. immune, Trump will appeal. Yeah, and ultimately it'll get pushed back to the Supreme Court at that point, which delays things potentially. And meanwhile, there's a stay on Judge Chutkan doing anything to move the case forward. Yeah, so that means that March fourth might be too early for that to actually right. proceed. Because so it, that because it, be it kind of all centers around the fact that. It's the kind of question that's never been asked before. Can a former president be criminally liable for things he did in office? Because it's never happened before. Because Trump is the first president to be charged with crimes. That was mentioned by the Secretary of State for Maine when she announced that she was deciding that Trump was ineligible for the for the primary ballot, right. Republican primary ballot there, because in Colorado yeah. there was a legal case yeah. because states all run their elections differently. Even yeah. the federal election for president is run individually by all the states. Wow. And they all have their own rules and all their own systems. Yeah. So Colorado had a, had a, a hearing that where Crew and a few Colorado Republicans asked them to remove Trump from the primary ballot, and yeah. they did, yeah. uh, which will be appealed, is being appealed. In Maine, the Secretary of State was requested to... And then in Maine, that's the rule. She yep. gets to decide. Yep. She held a kind of hearing, not a legal trial, and felt largely the same way as Colorado did. He did engage in an insurrection, mm-hmm. and that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment does apply to him. Yep. And um, she said in her ruling that she is fully aware that this, is, this has never been done by a Secretary of State <laughs> before, yep. but... She's also fully aware that a president has never committed insurrection before. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> and it, these yes. are new grounds for everyone. Who'd have thought that you know, nearly two hundred years on, that that whole thing that was to prevent um, Confederates, Confederates from taking from, yeah, office yeah. would end up and, and think, oh yeah, no, he is a he is a fucking Confederate. That's yeah, that's that whole flag thing and well in the early drafts of the 14th amendment they they specified confederates wow rather than in people who committed insurrection wow. um the, the, the foresight to think 
yeah, people yeah. people kind of exactly like, that. think that that's but, a bit... I mean, it was very clearly aimed, as I, uh, I mentioned the other week, yeah. that the restoration period uh, amendments all basically made that case. And they, they were saying, you know, this is... You did bad stuff you shouldn't get to be in power anymore we are punishing you for that yeah and and initially they they had put they had specified confederates but they realized mm-hmm. it seems yeah. that while that's who we're dealing with right now yeah they may not may be not the only be people that, yeah. we should apply that might to not exist it, this could on. happen yeah. again yeah and so they took that out specifically it's argued so that in if in the future people yep. also committed insurrections or engaged in insurrections, mm-hmm. then those people they should too. also be yeah. uh, disqualified from, from office. Yeah, yeah, office. yeah. And there are 34-odd states that have, apart from the two, uh, Colorado and Maine, that have said, yeah, we're going to uphold that and yeah. you can't appear on the ballot. There are 34 others that are just... King, yeah, we're not gonna, yeah, we're not gonna do that. Which are pending. There are there are lots where cases are pending. Yes, uh-huh. uh, Michigan, I think, has decided they are allowing him on the ballot. There are going to be some that where it isn't an issue, and and in most of the cases where it will go against Trump, uh-huh. it won't matter anyway because blue states, blue states, yeah. Where it then becomes an issue, and mm. and this is in fact. I maybe was too flippantly dismissive of Michigan. Right. I, I just said Michigan has has said that they will have him on the ballot. They've said they'll have him on the ballot for the primary, but what essentially they've said is this doesn't become an issue for us until it gets to the general. Oh. So come back to us. Oh, oh when okay. When it gets to the general election, maybe he won't be allowed on the on the ballot. Essentially what they said was uh, in Michigan, again, all yeah. of the states are different, how how it works in the different states. Yeah. In Michigan, the Republican primary is essentially kind of, it's run like a private business in a way, and, they, and the government doesn't get involved. Even the state, <laughs> right. they, they, don't, they don't control it. Right. So they get to primary whoever the fuck they want. Yeah. But when it comes to the general election, right. they have a say. Right. And, it, and when it comes to that, they might decide he's not, allowed so they yep. haven't actually said he's he can run they've said he can he can run in the primary there's nothing we can do about it yeah and that will be the case in a lot of states where it's likely that if he is taken off for the primary they would also feel the same way about the general yeah because why wouldn't they well yeah um, but in some cases he'll be allowed to be on the primary election but may and not it doesn't be on the general open them up to abuse and disdain from uh trump because he did go on a complete rant the other day, because that's the other case, the defamation case against um, Eugene Carroll. Yes, where he just yeah. he just he exploded on Truth Social for like an hour, and just posted all of these other things that people had posted against. Yeah, against her. many many things he attacked oh, her. Oh Jesus! With. And then and then went off on the other stuff. Essentially, just kind of saying because she she posts a lot about sex. Yeah. So therefore, I she can't get upset that I sexually assaulted her. Yeah. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. 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 It's it's kind of weird. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, it's, um, it's not kind of. <laughs> it's completely yeah. fucking weird. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But no, that case starts on the sixteenth of January. Yeah. And it's the second one because obviously they they already. I well, said yeah, you did a do that. In the first yeah. case yeah. that he he was liable. Yeah. Both for sexual abuse and defamation, and and awarded her five million in damages. Yeah, and so this new that was for 
comments that he made when he wasn't president, that original trial. Right. This one yeah. is for comments he made when he was president. Oh, okay. Okay. Which initially he claimed was just part of his presidential duties. <laughs> right. And therefore, yeah. he should be defended in that case by the DOJ. And Bill Barr, who at the time was running the right. DOJ, went, yeah. fuck it, sure, why not? <laughs> and, and, and so... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, it, and at that point, when the DOJ, who is the, the organisation who prosecutes crimes yeah if they go well we're also defending this one yeah. essentially that crime is kind of dead yeah that doesn't yeah. happen so yeah since he's left office now yeah. she can say well he also did this stuff while he was in office yeah so now they're having this trial i think he's going to turn up for that he says he is yeah until the he last minute when he won't yeah again it's a civil trial yeah and i think i'm right in saying mm -hmm. that the judge has already told the jury for this one mm -hmm that uh, they must factor into their decision-making yep. that he ha he committed sexual assault. He right. has been found liable of that. That is a thing. It's yep. not like we aren't deciding well, that. I'm not at trying this that, yeah, yeah. The question is... How much has he got what, to pay? What, yeah, what is the defamation aspect of that? Right. In that he called her a whack job and claimed she was, you know, attacking him and he never did anything. Yeah. So the, the the assumption they have to start out with is that, that he, he did, did do the, the thing, thing yeah. that she claims he yeah. did. Yeah. Wow. So all in all, it's a it's a fabulous year to look forward to. It's a busy year. Busy. It's a busy year. As I say, we've got closing arguments in New York, 11th January, the defamation case starting on the 16th. Yeah. Then, in fact, he goes into a class action case about a video phone thing he was selling on The Apprentice. Oh, um, wow. Which isn't even, like, a big deal amongst yeah. all of his other cases. Yeah. Oh, uh, wouldn't it be brilliant case. if that's the thing that brings him down? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then March 4th, there's Jack Smith's election interference case in DC. Yeah. There's Stormy Daniels' case, March 25th. Then it's the Florida case in May yeah, with Eileen Cannon, which again could be pushed. And the one that we haven't got a date for yet is the Georgia election interference case right. uh, with Funny Willis, the one that has 19 co-defendants or 16, 15 now because four of them are fully guilty. Gone, yeah, yeah, um, we did it. We which we don't have a date for yet, but the D Funny Willis has asked for... The 4th of August, I believe, and McAfee has not yet announced the date. Yeah. He has been sceptical that she can try all of the remaining defendants in one go. Oh, okay. She Given how many there are, Robin. Yeah. She's absolutely fine doing it all Yeah, we could do go. that, yeah. I can frighten several of them to flip over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing, is, is that there will be a point at which they no longer can make a deal. It's, it's like the transfer window in... In uh, British soccer, where yeah. there's that kind of you, know, you get you get a limited time when you think actually I've got to get in early, but it's almost yeah. like a board game, isn't it, or, or a kind of casino game? Yeah, do I go early? Do I leave it to the last minute? Or if you're yeah. like it's like an auction kind of thing. Yeah, at some point the deals will run out. It's like taking yeah. early redundancy. And, it will and just kind of I run out. I suspect that once a date is announced. Yeah, there may be a, a new, flurry. Uh, yes, mm. a new series of of defendants deciding. Yeah. Actually, no, I'm not going for it. I'm not risking it. I'll take what I can get. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'd be surprised if she ends up prosecuting more than a dozen right. in one go. Right, but we'll see. 
And it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And the best thing is, because of Georgia's rules, we'll get to watch that one on telly. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So hurry up, Fanny. We've got T-shirts to print. <laughs> and finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. To mark the third anniversary of January the 6th insurrection, Trump was his usual contrite self at Sioux Centre, Iowa, where he told the gathered throng, there was Antifa and there was FBI. There were a lot of other people there too, leading the charge. Despite contrary evidence from congressional reviews and more than 700 completed prosecutions, a Washington Post poll found that a quarter of Americans believe the FBI probably or definitely instigated the Capitol attack. This, of course, is Trump's plan all along. Keep spinning the lie and divert attention from his upcoming trials and potential removal from 30-odd ballots and counting because insurrection with phrases like they ought to release the January 6 hostages. They've suffered enough. I call them hostages. Some people call them prisoners. I call them hostages. Jennifer McCoy, a political science professor at Georgia State University who studies the issue, says Trump's language is very common in polarised countries where a leader is autocratizing or eroding democracy using this terminology. They claim to be democracy's biggest supporters. And Michael K. Miller, a political science professor at George Washington University, added, he's now directly saying that violence and criminality is OK if it's in service of my power. Once you endorse violence in rejecting electoral outcomes, you've turned away from democracy. It's really that simple. When Sean Hannity asked if he'd be a dictator last month, if he got back in, he quipped. Well, just for one day, he quipped it again at the rally on the 6th. I'm going to be a dictator for one day to the amused cheering of the throng. Well, I hope the ATF has some flammable tear gas left from Waco. They might just need it again soon. Nikki Haley, a top contender in the race to lose to Trump in the Republican primary in states where he's on the ballot, had a rough time at a recent campaign event when a voter asked her what was the cause of the US Civil War. Keen to delve into the real history rather than trot out some simple answers, she made up some bullshit about the government not getting in the way of freedom and didn't mention slavery once, a fact that the questioner noted, as did literally everyone else. She was even taken to task by famous defender of black American history, Ronald DeFucking Santis, who took a break from insisting that black people benefited from slavery and that white privilege doesn't exist to point out that it's not that difficult to identify and acknowledge the role slavery played in the Civil War. Nikki later claimed that the question asker was definitely a Democrat plant, <laughs> because if you can't blame your inability to answer a simple question on the Democrats, then what are you even doing in the Republican Party in 2024? <laughs> I don't think he was a plant. Maybe he was just a fallacious Trump listener who heard Nikki being asked almost the exact same question on episode 118, False Balance, and was amused by her car crash of an answer where she tried to claim it was about people fighting for change versus people fighting for tradition. <laughs> of course, in that instance, she was talking to someone from the Sons of the Confederate Veterans, so it was pretty clear what kind of answer they were looking for. She probably had a slightly tougher time at this campaign event in New Hampshire, but after doing the calculus in her head, she still came down on the side of, these people are Republicans, so they probably don't give a shit about enslaved people. I'll tell them it was about the pesky government meddling in their lives. I can't really blame her logic. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're nothing, nothing if not 
inveterate <laughs> treaders of the same path. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. In the UK over the Christmas period, the BBC usually runs a series of lectures broadcast from the Royal Institution in London. These are the equivalent of the Robert Mayer concerts that used to be run to introduce children to classical music. The RI lectures feature popular TV science presenters demonstrating how things work and how stuff is amazing with interactive experiments featuring televisually friendly bangs and flashes. In complete contrast, and part of our ongoing thesis of Trump and his complete distrust of technology, yeah, that's a bit too kind perhaps, let's just say complete fucking ignorance of anything whatsoever to do with anything ever made by mankind, he's been rerunning his greatest hits of steam and hydraulics and magnets from way back when at the rally in Iowa. This time, he bemoaned the waste of money spent on making elevators that run on magnets. Apropos of what? Only one can take a guess at. It went down well in North Carolina in 2020, so why not now? Of course, the problems with magnets is, as he explained, think of it, magnets. Now, all I know about magnets is this. Give me a glass of water, let me drop it on the magnets. That's the end of magnets. Huh? Yeah. Let's just let that land there for a moment. <laughs> okay, that's all you know about magnets? Nothing about opposites attract or generating electricity or just those things your carers put on your fridge door to hold your sharp meteorological charts in place? Yeah, at this point in the lecture, the director would cut away and Professor Brian Cox or Bill Nye Science Guy would step in smartly to thwack the stupid orange kid as the programmes went on to an ad break. Social media handily did the equivalent for us with Vanity Fair columnist Molly Jong-Fast, who simply stated with the brilliant clarity of Archimedes's eureka moment, cognitive decline. I... D I what? I yeah. <laughs> well, it's, see if you use that in fake but news. But he said the same thing. I wouldn't have fucking he guessed that. He said the same thing was... in 2020. What the? F oh, no. that's, what? 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 Give me a glass of water. Let me drop it on the magnets. Water. Drop it on How the magnets. How is that any way related magnets. to magnets? That's mad. Well, yeah, quite. Uh, yeah. Oh boy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. James Comer has been trying for over a year now to prove that Biden has been illegally receiving money from China and other foreign countries, potentially calling into question official acts which benefited government entities and companies within those countries. It's been a rough road with lots of missteps, ultimately culminating in an official impeachment inquiry being launched last month. Now, finally, a bombshell report from House Democrats has provided detailed, comprehensive evidence that the president repeatedly violated the emoluments clause of the Constitution with financial documents showing he benefited directly from millions of dollars spent at businesses owned by the president while in office by state-controlled entities in China and multiple other countries. This would definitely be grounds for impeachment if the president featured in the report hadn't lost the 2020 election like a whiny toddler who never really understood the game anyway. Yes, of course, this is about Trump, who refused to sanction China's state-owned ICBC bank, despite advice from the DOJ and the House Foreign Affairs Committee to do so, while the country spent over $5.5 million at Trump-owned properties wow. just in 2017 and 2018. Saudi Arabia spent mm -hmm. over $600,000, much of that by renting the entire 45th floor of Trump World Tower in Manhattan. During this period, Trump signed a massive arms deal with the country and disputed US intelligence reports about the state-sanctioned murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. 
Of course, Gary Boosie Jr., Eric Trump, leapt to Donald's defence, <laughs> tweeting, What a joke. All foreign government profits for stays at our hotels and other properties while my father was in office were voluntarily, spelt wrong, donated <laughs> to the United States Treasury. According to the Trumps, they donated $450,000 to the Treasury from 2017 to 2021, which, assuming they're not lying, amounts to a little under 6% <laughs> of the money they took in during just the first two years of Trump's presidency. Whoa. In 2021, the Supreme Court already dismissed several cases brought against Trump for violating the emoluments clause because they became moot when he stopped being president. Mm -hmm. So there'll be no lawsuits even if they could find a slot in his 2024 schedule. But I wonder if they're still moot if he gets elected again. Mm. That's something to look forward to <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's getting increasingly difficult to find something funny to say about rudy giuliani and his continuing attempts to prove that he has the proof that it was all rigged and they will be exonerated for telling you the truth about the georgia voting scandal but to be honest at this stage i think we're just really enjoying the gloaty feeling of watching his once buoyant beach ball of bluster simultaneously bounce in ever smaller arcs and give out a slow wet fart of deflation the deadline for filing the motions he says he's got to file which will prove all this stuff is this monday still this monday after Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee rejected Giuliani's extensions request made on Friday. The reason? Well, it appears the sagging, punctured, rubber, pink alien blow-up doll in a suit Giuliani does not articulate exactly what discovery must still be reviewed, or why the review has not been completed the approximately four months that have passed since arraignment. He added that whilst Giuliani claims to have filed many motions concerning discovery, none appeared on the docket. Giuliani's lawyers remained tight-lipped when previously they told the court that they were still processing voluminous discovery in the case and asked for a deadline extension. Though since many of them remained unpaid to the tune of $1.4 million, I suspect these days they just can't be asked. Never mind, Rudy, soon you'll be penniless enough to be eligible for legal aid and you'll probably get better advice. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene has written a book. What? I know. I'm as surprised as you that she was able to put words together in an order. <laughs> and the uncharitable amongst you might be thinking she probably got a ghostwriter to do it. But given some of the Amazon reviews describe it as meandering, hate-filled <laughs> and reads like a child wrote it. Not. And... Difficult to read if you speak proper English. <laughs> I'm thinking she actually had a go herself. <laughs> to promote the book, the Republican Party of Osceola County arranged a small book signing at the Westgate Resorts in Kissimmee, Florida, but then promoted the event to local Republicans as a special third anniversary celebration of January 6th, featuring MTG as a special guest. The Westgate Resorts promptly cancelled the event, leading Marjorie Targery to find a new venue. Eventually tweeting, the commies in Florida tried to cancel my book signing. They failed. Because if you can't blame your inability to arrange something on the communists, then what are you even doing in the Republican Party in 2024? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> the tweet also featured a photo of her next to a massive pile of her books in front of a crate of Duplo bricks and a Barbie dream house, proving conclusively that an elementary school somewhere in Florida had been convinced to allow MTG to borrow a table, borrow but a providing table. no evidence that a single person had bought one of her books. Incidentally, the books being signed by the founder of the America First caucus in the photo all say printed in Canada, because what are principles if you can save 12 cents on printing costs? I think Marjorie missed a trick here. She could triple up on book signings on her book tour by getting Dog the Bounty Hunter and Mickey Rourke from The Wrestler to take her place at various events and just sign her name. Nobody would know the difference. <laughs> oh, my God. It just occurs to me that we should buy copies of these books <laughs> before they're pulped, before they're sent back to the factory. I think, and... I think we'll be able to download a copy <laughs> exactly. from... Uh, an unscrupulous website soon from, enough. Yeah. <laughs> now is the time to unify Republicans and grow our voter base to win elections throughout our state in 2024 and beyond. No, for once, not the usual dictator drivel double spoken by Trump, but a statement from acting state GOP chair in Michigan, Melinda Pego. The statement began, the Michigan Republican Party remains steadfast in its commitment to operate with the highest integrity and ethics. For me, this is not a happy day, it's a sombre day. However, the bylaws, process and rules are followed, and the sombre process was to remove election denier and state GOP chairwoman Christina Caramo. Nearly 89% of those present voted to oust Caramo following a year of leadership plagued by debt and infighting. Of course, Christina, true to her mentor and glorious leader, Donald J, who was denied victory in the last election, he was, it's true, did not attend the meeting and has made it clear she will not recognise the vote if removed, claiming that the meeting was not official and had been illegally organised. She may as well have added, so, no, she's been voted out by the state committee. Bethany Wheeler, a state committee member, told reporters, if this was a corporation, that's the board. They've now fired the CEO, basically. She can fight it, but the fact of the matter is she was removed by the state committee and now they are in charge. Of course, all the infighting helps the Republicans' cause not at all, as they look to rebound from 2022 midterms in which they suffered historic losses and divest themselves of far-right tarnish whilst trying to flip an open US Senate seat and also helping the Republican presidential nominee win the battleground state. Well... Let's hope it all calms down and goes well for them there, then not. <laughs> she is, she's not going to recognise the vote if removed. What, is, is she going to castanza it and just keep turning up to work? Yeah, um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> exactly. And they'll go, what, yeah, what are you doing here? What are you doing yeah. here? Oh, yeah. well, I don't know yeah. what you mean. No, we vote, well, in a, in a very Trump-like way. It's got to I won. I won the popular vote by more. Yeah, and I won more, more, more vote than any, and the and the and the voting stopped up as ten. I was in charge, and yeah, just yeah, yeah. What are you doing here? There's another guy in your chair. Meanwhile, across the pond. It's either been a quiet holiday period in the UK Parliament or I don't know the best places to look for news about UK politics. 
The festive period kicked off with James Cleverly making a bid for most useless Home Secretary of the five we've had in the last 15 months, two of which were Suella Braverman, to be fair, by joking about spiking his wife's drink with Rohypnol at a Downing Street Christmas drinks reception for journalists. The remarks, which included saying, it's not really illegal if it's only a little bit, came just hours after his Home Office announced plans to crack down on drink spiking. Meanwhile, in a tradition that goes back to 1895, former Prime Minister Liz Truss's resignation honours list was published, announcing which of the people who gave her money get to call themselves Sir or Dame and which get to join the House of Lords and have a lifetime unelected seat where they weigh in on new laws in the UK. The difference is, all of the other Prime Ministers who released honours lists served between seven and 86 times as long as Liz. Some say that spending a month and a half fucking up an already fucked up economy shouldn't give you the right to install your former Deputy Chief of Staff as a UK lawmaker, but others are wrong. Finally, we got some lovely new pictures of little Rishi when he met Albanian Prime Minister Eddie Rama. The fact that Rama happens to be six foot seven means the photos look like Gandalf meeting Frodo for the first time outside number 10, and it's glorious. <laughs> 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 wow I swear the first time wow. I saw the photos I thought I, that's either AI or it's been photoshopped it's gotta be funny, he can't yeah. possibly be that small it's compared funny. to this other guy wow but, it's, and the, it's... the door of number 10 is actually quite a big tall door as well so it looks like he's like a 12 year old I think it's about a standard to, door about <laughs> to kind of shout through the letterbox he barely reaches it's amazing. the letterbox it's like it's like kind of Christmas carols. Hey there, you boy. Like, <laughs> yeah. What me, sir? Yeah. He's like the bunny in the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or somebody being taken aside by Greg Davis in Taskmaster. Yeah. Uh -huh. Who's tiny? Yeah. <laughs> He's also twice his width. As well, yeah, as well, isn't it? I swear, oh Google, Google God. Rishi Sunak meeting Eddie Rama. It's just Amazing. unbelievable, isn't it? It kind of makes you re-question <laughs> how tall are railings and curbs and and that yeah. kind of, you know, just that. He's like stuff. Danger Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this week. You can find the show notes at fallaciouslytrump.com and if you hear Trump saying something stupid and you want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know and if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts or simply tell one other person in person about how much they'd like our podcast. And you can support the show at patreon.com slash ftrump, just like our strawman level patrons, Laura Tomsick, Renee Z, Schmutz, Mark Reiki and Amber R. Buchanan, who told us when we met her at QED we can just call her Amber, although another listener recognised her at QED this year because we keep using her full name all the time, and our true Scotsman level patrons, Melissa Sytek, Stephen Bickle, Janet Uetta, Kaz Tui, Andrew Hack, and our top patron, Lauren. Thank you so much, all of the patrons. We really appreciate it. You can connect with those awesome people as well as us and our listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Fallacious Trump. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.